Christine Bentley, and you are listening to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Today's show is brought to you by Meridian Credit Union. Expecting more for your money? That's wealth esteem. Thanks for tuning in. Kate is away this weekend, and so stepping in is our faithful film critic, Ann Brody. And Ann, we have a great show lined up today. We sure do. First up, we'll be joined by none other than author Andre Asimon. He's the author of several novels, including Call Me By Your Name, which was turned into an award-winning film starring Timothée Chalamet and Army Hammer. He's part of this year's inaugural Jaipur Literature Festival taking place in Toronto's Distillery District this weekend, and he'll discuss the writing process behind Call Me By Your Name and what the film adaptation process was like. Well, we know that fall is a time when many families prep their households for a year back at school and set kind of a routine for a successful, successful, I can't even talk, New Year together. And fitness guru Kathleen Trotter has three easy ways that families can keep healthy this fall by integrating healthy habits into their daily routine. Lifestyle expert Lena Almeida is going to be here and she's going to be talking about what she's loving right now. And we're also going to have a chat with the founder of Mississauga-based company TriSight, which has been helping visually impaired people for more than 10 years. And Anne, Julian Taylor from the Julian Taylor Band is going to close out the show oh, cool. in our live studio sessions. And of course, you're going to tell us what to watch and avoid at the movies this weekend. <laughs> I am. I'm telling you, I've saved myself countless hours by listening to you. <laughs> now, don't forget to follow us on social media, What She Said Talk, and download our free show podcast. You can find all the links on what she said talk.com right now christine bentley and kate wheeler will be right back to contact the show go to what she said talk.com i just spoke to a meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages and they told me that variable rates change based on meridian's prime rate exactly and that you could pay your mortgage down faster if meridian's prime rate goes down how did you know i spoke with an advisor too so let's get a meridian five-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90 percent totally apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a meridian branch rates subject to change without notice some restrictions apply 2.90 percent apr assumes the typical example of a new mortgage now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is Andre Asimon. He's the author of several novels, including Call Me By Your Name, which, as we know, was made into an award-winning film starring... Timothée Chalamet and Army Hammer. Thanks for calling in. Thank you for having me. The film adaptation of your book is tremendous. Were you on the set at all? And I'm wondering what kind of input you had. Um, well, I didn't want to have any input because I had James Ivory on one hand and Luca Guadagnino, who right. are experts and totally professional. Who was I going to be <laughs> that, that I would basically give them my opinion on what they were doing right or wrong. So I just had a standoff um, attitude, hands-off, I meant, and attitude, and I think it worked very well. I was on the set for about two and a half days, 
because I was curious to see, and they invited me to be there. I had no idea they wanted me to be in the film, but eventually I played along, and it was a lovely and very much fun experience for me since I'd never been on a movie set, much less on a movie. Um, well, you've written a sequel called Find Me, so tell us why you wanted to revisit this story. Well, because I wasn't done with it, and um, about 10 years ago when I finished the book, more than 10 years ago, um, I figured I was going to come back to it once I had finished a novel that I was writing at the time, which I had interrupted to write Call Me By Your Name. So I needed to finish that book, and then I started another book, and then another book, and uh, it took a while, but I was always totally convinced that I would have to go back to uh, Call Me By Your Name and the characters. And in fact, I tried many times, and perhaps one of the things, and I realized this late, much later, was that I was always starting with Elio, the character or the voice of Call Me By Your Name, and I realized at some point that that was never going to work. You had to sort of come to him obliquely in order for the reader to feel, and for me as a writer, to feel that um, there was a story to tell. So I started with the father instead, and that worked perfectly, actually. That's, me, a, that's a very interesting way to do it, uh, especially you were so invested with uh, Elio and Oliver. Um, exactly. So it gives us a new perspective. Uh, I don't know if you want to tell us where we wind up with Elio and Oliver. No, we don't. We don't want, don't want to say that yet. <laughs> oh, okay. But it's quite a journey, I understand. It is a journey, and it's such a spoiler, so I, I don't want to give it oh. away. So um, when can and we... there are things on... Yes, I'm sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, when can we expect this one to come out then? Because um, we're... Oh, it's hmm? coming out on October 29th. That's when it's being published. In Canada, great. Good to That's know. That's great. So what do you hope people take away from this? Oh, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I never know what I want people to take away from anything I write. I just want them to, because it's not something you can take away. Um, what I do in my books is that I open up a space. Um, and I think the style is my way of opening up that space, of sort of dilating the sentences a bit more than is, is normal in today's writing uh, universe. Mm. And by doing that, I allow the, the reader to slip into my psyche, my voice, my style, my identity, and to begin to share it, and by sharing it, to experience things that the reader has always known. There's nothing new. <laughs> but that they've never really focused on, never really thought about. And so in, in many ways, I allow the reader to identify with me because by identifying with me, they are really identifying with a part of themselves that they kind of neglected. In terms of the inspiration for writing the book, apparently it, mm -hmm. it must have come very quickly to you, back to Call Me By Your Name, because it came out all of a sudden. Am I correct in thinking this? And if so, did it come out fully formed? No. Uh, I, I have never written anything knowing where I was going with it. I have never been able to do that because I'm fundamentally disorganized and chaotic and uh, maybe a bit uh, what you might call ADD about things because I, can't, I can never write an outline. The only outlines I've written are the ones that I write about 10 pages before the end of the book 
where I kind of know now where we're headed because it's become unavoidable. But as I'm writing, I have no idea. And before I write, no idea. I started the book <laughs> because I wanted to think about a house. That's really what I was doing. It was just a house, a house on the beach, a house on the beach in Italy, a house on the beach with a boy inside it. And, uh, and then the next thing I knew, he was going to have a girlfriend. And then I realized that girlfriend and boyfriend in the beach during the summer has been kind of overdone over the years in movies and books. And then suddenly it came to me, just don't do it with a girl, do it with another guy. And once I've yeah. decided that, the thing just took off. Wow. That's amazing, the, the way you describe it. Yeah. Now, uh, you, uh, you wrote this apparently over four months, uh, Call Me yes. By Your Name. Have you ever written a book that quickly before? No, uh, but Out of Egypt was really relatively very quickly written. Uh, it's much, much longer than Call Me By Your Name, and it involves too many historical facts. Right. But, and I was also teaching full-time at the time, so, but it took about a year and a few months mm -hmm. to write Out of Egypt. So once I am committed to something, it goes very fast. Well, you're a part of this year's inaugural Jaipur Literature Festival taking place in the Distillery District this weekend. Uh, and you're going to discuss the writing process behind Call Me By Your Name and what the film adaptation uh -huh. process was like. Uh, are you excited to be back in Toronto? Yes, very much. Uh, I had a fantastic, uh, actually mind-blowing experience in Toronto um, and it's funny because it, it was a tiff that I had this experience. Uh, it was a conversation that went very, very well at the movie theater. And uh, they, the audience had just seen Call Me By Your Name, but I'm sure most people had already seen the film before, but they saw it again. The place was full. And then I spent about three hours signing books after the talk. So when you have three hours of signing books, the lines are very, very long. And to a writer who has to sign his name, who knows how many hundreds of times, it's, it's, it should be tiring, but it was exhilarating because I've never been so close to people who were waiting in line for three hours, some of them, in order to have the author sign their book. And it was a, a kind of a, um, a show of love. I, I cannot think of any other word that made me feel wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Um, and I don't think it has ever been rivaled since, uh, except at TIFF. Uh, ironically, and I say this with total cognizance, uh, the only other time where there was as huge a public and they ran out of books that time was in Jaipur, in, in, in India, where the audience was, there must have been a thousand people in the audience, and uh, people, while they, I was talking, were already lining up to have their books signed. And, and so it was, it was, it, that too was very moving. Oh, and people great. came in families with their children uh, to have the book signed. So I, I, was, I felt that um, this was absolutely wonderful. So uh, there have been fantastic experiences in my life. I have a question again about um, Call Me By Your Name on the set. Uh -huh. I actually interviewed Timothée and Army in Toronto, and they told uh -huh. me that the villa was up for sale then. Did you yes. know that? I did know that. And in fact, the villa is up for sale for a very, very cheap price. It's a huge villa. It's a mansion. And it's, it's probably a million and a half dollars, which, you know, I don't have a million and a half to spend on the house. 
But, but would you uh, if you did? Think of, <laughs> yes, I would. Yes, yeah. I would. I would buy it. The, the, the only problem is that, you know, what are my friends going to do? They're not going to come. It's kind of way out of, of everything. So you must love isolation if you're going to live in that villa. And I don't love isolation. I live in New York. I have my friends. I love my friends. And, uh, of course, I want them near me every weekend for dinner parties, not <laughs> once every six months. So, But the house needs a lot of restoration. I see. So this seems like a... a, a a silly question, maybe, because you're not wanting to give us too many details, but what else have you been working on? Oh, I'm, I'm, I've just finished another book. Uh, it's a short, short book. Right. It's for audio, uh, audible books. Right. They've commissioned that. And it's a, it's a story. It's a love story. It's a sort of magic realism a bit. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I love that story. I truly, truly love that story. And uh, it was written over... This past summer, mm-hmm. very fast as well, but it's not as long. It's very short, but um, I hope it will be read by someone. And uh, they're going to have it for nine months before releasing it to the to the public in print. Well, so I, I look forward to that. Something we have. Something and I have a book of essays. Oh, good. I have another book of essays coming up, which should have been published this year, but it was displaced by finally. Oh. Well, uh, we're looking forward to all these new things coming, um, and October 29th for Find Me. Yes. Andre, yes, thank you so exciting. much, so much for taking the You're time welcome. to call us today, and best of luck with the new book. Thank you. Thank you so very, very much. Bye. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Let me tell you about my friend Alfred. Alfred has truly revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You see, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services are here to help. They include wash and fold, dry cleaning, alterations, as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your garments off with your concierge or at any Penguin pickup location in the GTA, and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more today at alfredservice.com or through the free Alfred Service app. Sign up today and get a first-time discount by entering the promo code WHATSHESAID. Looking for a better brunch? We found it for you at Draco Restaurant, inside the spectacular brand new Toronto Marriott Markham on Enterprise Boulevard. All your delicious brunch favorites, plus signature cocktails, every Sunday from 10 till 2. Take our word for it, you'll love the space and you'll love the food. It's easy to reserve now on opentable.ca or call 905-489-1400. Elevate your brunch Sundays at Draco. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is fitness guru and author Kathleen Trotter. Welcome back to What She Said. Oh, it's my pleasure. I loved it last time I was here. So you're great to talk to, easy breezy, smart. And we love talking to you because, you know, 
Fall is a time when many families prep their households for a year back at school and try to set a routine for a successful yeah. new year together. So why don't you start by telling us why it's so important for families to have a routine that they stick to. Absolutely. So listen, life is busy. And if you let it, life will take over. And then you're always in this reaction mode. And then, you know, you can say, oh, I want to get healthy. But then, you know, takes over. You got to get your kid to soccer. You got to get to work. It's a million things pulling you in a million different directions. So fitness and health, it kind of falls away. So what I always tell my clients is, unfortunately, health and wellness is all about preparation, preparation, preparation. You got to set yourself up for future success. You have to set up systems that save yourself from your future um, self, or I call it setting goals, not wishes. It's unfortunate, you know, we all say, oh, on Monday, I'm going to get fit, or in January, I'm going to get healthy. Uh, But then life takes over if you don't create the systems to save yourself um, from your future self. And habits that you weave into your life are going to be so much more sustainable and more successful than um, just saying, I want to get fit. I was just going to say that. And also, it's great for children to get into a habit of living a healthy life. Oh, my God, yes. Model it it for your kids, for sure. It would take effort to not live a healthy yes. life because it's part of their routine. Oh my God, you are awesome. I always say to my clients, the things in life that are important, you want it to be things that you have to opt out of, as in it's just a f- part of the fabric of what you do. Um, and I think that part of the problem is we get into this idea of, well, I just need more dil- uh, discipline. I need more willpower. But here's the thing. Think of willpower and discipline like a muscle that can get tired, right? So you say in the morning, oh, I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to eat really well. Well, listen, it gets to 11 o'clock at night and you're tired. Life has been exhausting. So you're like, oh, I'll just eat all the food, right? But that's because your willpower muscle, your say no muscle, your self-survey muscle is gone. It's exhausted. But if you've set up systems that save yourself from your future exactly. exhausted self. So for example, you don't have the food in your house that you can um, nosh on. Or if at three o'clock in the afternoon, as opposed to just being like, oh, I, you know, I might as well just have that sugary snack. You're like, no, I have this healthy lunch prepared. So that's why I'm really yeah. into habits. Because if you take the time to consciously set up your habits, yeah. then they become this unconscious thing that just happens. As you said, it's like you almost have to to choose not to do it versus to choose to do it. Exactly. You want to make it easy. It should yeah. weave into your life and it should feel natural. And, you know, your health, quote unquote, taste buds for everything should gradually trend in, in a different direction. So, you know, you start to want broccoli as opposed to the thing that you should do. You start to want to move because you know your body feels better if you move. Yeah. And, right? you, and your body is saying, I want to move. Yeah. Because it's been moving and now for you're sure. not moving. Yeah. Like if I saying... don't exercise, I miss it. Exactly. Um, so now you have three easy ways that families can keep healthy this fall by integrating healthy habits, what would number one be? Okay. Well, let's start with what a habit is first. So everyone at home can get that there's three parts to a habit, right? And this is really key because in order for the behavior, people think of the habit as the behavior, like eating the healthy lunch or the healthy snack or exercising. But in order to have that habit, the behavior happen, you need a cue and then you need the behavior and then you need the reward. So all the science on habits say that you first consciously set up these three steps mm-hmm. and then the habit becomes unconscious. Then you don't have to think about it, right? So you might want to say, okay, let's say my whole family wants to be more active. Okay, so your cue could be, 
a schedule on the fridge. And then when you see that, you're like, oh, right, I want to be more active. Or you could send out an email to your family or you could set up an app on the phone that tracks steps, for example. And those are all the things that cue your family to be active. And then at the end of the day, when they've done the amount of steps they're supposed to do or they've gone to the gym or they've Mm -hmm. played soccer, they put a little sticker on the schedule. And that's the reward, right, of, oh, right, I did what I'm supposed to do. Or let's say you want to take... Um, a healthy snack for lunch. So then you would put your lunch bag out on the, the kitchen counter. So when you come down, it's like, oh, that's the cue to actually take the, the the snack or the lunch. And then when you've had the snack or the lunch, the reward is you have more energy, you feel a little bit more self-righteous because you've done it. So whatever the habit you want to create, whatever behavior, you have to take the time to set up the cue. So it could be an yeah. alarm on your phone and the right. alarm goes off and it says, oh, you better get up and move once right. an hour, right? It could be... You know, signing your children up for soccer so they have that it's mm-hmm. in the schedule, right? And then the behavior is doing it, and then you feel really good afterwards. And that feeling good, feeling more energized, feeling mm-hmm. healthier, then that spirals into wanting to do that habit more and more and more, right? Okay, so that's a habit. Yes, so that's the first one, so the habit. So then, once you've decided that you're going to create the habits, the three ways to sort of integrate it in is one, Um, pick things that you find fun and exciting with your family, right? So find sports or activities that you actually enjoy, right? It's so much easier to motivate you to do something um, if it's something that you like. So, you know, I always use my mom as an example for this. She loves gardening. She loves walking the dog. So she'll actually do those things. She loves yoga. I brought her to one of my spin classes once, and she got off the bike. She looked like white, and she turned to me. She goes, Kathleen. I love you more than anything. And if you ever try to make me do that again, I will disown you. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So it's like if the habit she was trying to create is spin, you know what? She'd go for a week and then she'd stop. So first of all, make sure your habits are things that you like or at least things that you don't despise. You know, like I don't love strength training, but I love running. So I make myself do my strength training because I then get to do what I love running injury free for, you know, the rest of my life. So that would be the first thing. And then find ways to integrate it into the fabric of your life. So let's say you're goal is to do more squats and lunges. And maybe you take your kid to soccer three days a week. Okay, great. You bring them to soccer. And as you watch them, you know, do their thing, you have your yoga mat on the side and you're doing your squats, you do your lunges, you do your planks. So you get to be with be with your kids. You get to drive them to soccer. You get to do your thing. At the end, you can talk about, you know, on the drive home, your reward is you talk about your exercise, you talk about their game. You're not on your phone the entire time. Um, So it's just it's part of what you do. You know, maybe you have a dog. So you decide that you want to do interval training. Okay, so great. You turn your dog walk. I know you have a dog, right? So, okay. so the next time you take your puppy for a walk, um, you decide you're going to do fart like intervals, which are unstructured interval training. So you say, okay, we're going to speed walk until that stop sign. Right. So you speed up, you slow down, you speed up. That's fart like is that unstructured Mm -hmm. way of getting your heart rate up. Um, as opposed to saying, well, I have to go to the gym six mornings a week for an hour and a half. You know, for some people that might be realistic. But if you have a dog that you have to walk six mornings a week, you know, maybe it's not realistic to do that and the gym. Right. Right. So weaving things I in. I see lots of people that run. Yeah. Do do sort of intermittent running with, their, with their dogs. I So there you go. That could exactly. be your next goal. And then yeah. you'll email me and you say, Kathleen, I did it. I did my <laughs> intervals with my puppy. And the dog will be happy. So the reward will be that, you know, your puppy will be happy and you'll be happy and healthier. Right. Right. So finding it more fun, um, integrating things into your life. 
And then also just giving yourself time. You know, I think that with health, um, we all want to be healthy yesterday, you know, but especially when it comes to your family, getting everybody involved, integrating everybody into a project and just saying, you know what, this is a lifelong thing. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what we do for one day. What it matters is what we do for the rest of our lives. So it's that consistency um, and giving yourself the permission to not be perfect every single day, but to be in it for the long haul. So that would be my third third thing. Now, you have two books out, Finding Your Fit and Your Future Fittest mm. Self. Tell us about those uh, very quickly. Who should read them? Everybody. <laughs> really? No age limit? Well, it, so there's no age limit. Basically, more what what is the limit is is your mindset. So the books are really for people who have tried everything. They've tried every single diet. They've tried the workouts and they constantly feel like they're falling on and off the horse and they're discouraged and they're frustrated. So you could be that way at 22. You could be that way at 70. Um, But it's that mindset of I'm finally ready to really embrace my health and look at it from a 360 to look at my nutrition. Holistic, yes. Yeah, to look at my mindset, to look at... To make... A bunch of little changes yeah. to my life that will it have an impact. It makes a big difference because, listen, I didn't grow up loving fitness. In fact, I'm six feet tall. I was awkward. I was overweight. You didn't love fitness growing no. up? No. So this is the biggest thing. In my first book, the intro goes through how I was really unhappy. I was unhealthy. I was fat. I ate my way through my parents' divorce. Um, I was miserable. And... F- Eventually, what my mom said was, listen, you might not, you might hate gym class, but you have to do something like some type of activity has to be a non-negotiable. So she got me a membership at the Y. I was more comfortable with adults. And, you know, she just sort of said, like, we got to make this something that you do. Something is better than Mm -hmm. nothing. Um, So my message to everybody is, even if you don't love exercise, we can find a solution for you. We can find something Something, that you can tolerate. Yes. (laughs) And we can weave it into your life. So it's not this thing that's so overwhelming and so exhausting. So besides reading these fantastic mm-hmm. books, um, where can people go to learn more? So my website's KathleenTrotter.com, and I have lots of great information on there from little videos. I do a She Said every Friday, but I also have book reviews. I have what I call my pockets of joy, so things that give me joy, you know, reviews of I got a Peloton, for example. Yeah. So it talks about that. And um, and then I have Instagram um, and I have Twitter and I have Facebook. So, you know, you can join me any on my platforms. Um, and I'm always excited to chat with people. And if you have questions, you know, get hold of me. And I, I love Be this Be careful topic. what you wish no, for. I'm really <laughs> no, I, no, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just teasing you because... <laughs> no, but I love this topic. And it really, it saddens me that so many people don't enjoy being active. Well, and maybe they will now because... I hope so. <laughs> Kathleen, thank you so much oh, for joining my us pleasure. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian. Expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. 
She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now for Saturday Night at the Movies is film critic Ann Brody. So, Ann, let's start with Judy, starring Renee Zellweger. It's out this weekend. It was um, a huge hit at TIFF, from what I could tell. Yeah. There were there were several screenings. They were she got two standing ovations. Um, well, her performance is magnificent. She plays Judy Garland, who's in a really rough patch in her life. You know, she's divorcing yet another husband, fighting for custody of her children. She ha- she's literally broke. She has nowhere to live. She spends most of her time uh, driving around in cabs with her children because there's nowhere to go. Uh, so she decides to take on this tour of London, this uh, concert series. And so over she goes. Mm-hmm. And it's basically how she falls apart in London. And I know that there's footage, actual footage of what happened. And I'm dying to see it after having seen the film. Um, it's downbeat. You know, yeah. it's a little bit dreary. But Zellweger is incredible. She doesn't have the same voice that Judy Garland. She doesn't have the musicality that Julie Garland well, has. No, but that's exactly not what right. people are going to the film for anyway, right? Yeah, but yeah. she has that rawness and power. I don't know how she, how long she's been studying to do that. Wow. It just blew my mind. Um, you know, it's not the best film ever made, and and in my taste, truly and honestly, it's a bit too downbeat for me. Um, you just, your heart's breaking the whole time and she's constantly not showing up in time or, or getting high and just not knowing how to get her children back. Yeah. It's not pleasant sometimes watching somebody. It's not pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Okay. On a, I hope this is a more positive note for Pink Floyd fans. Yeah. No kidding. Right. (laughs) There are going to be two showings of the new documentary, uh, Roger Waters, Them and Us. Or is it us and them? I don't remember. Um, us and them. Us and them. So it's it's basically the concert film of the 2017 show that they did, a massive show they did in Germany. Uh, it's all the, all the hits, all the Pink Floyd hits. Roger Waters, of course, was one of the founding members and still on the road. Um, it's bigger than life. And there's a state-of-the-art visual technology that just makes it... It overtakes your whole brain. Do you remember the old, uh, um, the domed theater down mm-hmm. on off Bloor Street? Kind of like that, only a million times bigger. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, what about Monos? That's an incredible film. It, it shows you, number one, what can happen when children are left in a jungle with weapons to fend for themselves with a hostage that they hope to, to sell. And it also talks about the plight of a lot of young people in Brazil, where it's set, who have no advantages in life, no no money, no education, no no contacts, no hope. So what do they do? They find an American doctor, played by Julian Nicholson, and they keep her hostage. They keep her, um, actually, the, the boy who's guarding her is about maybe eight years old, and he's got a great big gun. And these kids just, this life they lead is so destructive and so hedonistic. And anyway, she gets away, and then he's threatened with death if he doesn't find her, the little boy. And eventually, quite accidentally, he does find her. 
she goes away three times. Um, <laughs> it's just really sad, but it's so incredibly done. I mean, there's sort of fractured images on the screen, and they shoot visuals of this person who's drowning from underneath in the water. It is such a weird experience, and it's a big prize winner. So if you have the taste for that kind of thing, you want to see something experimental, interesting, go see Monos. What about if you want to um, want to see a psychopath? Oh, just turn on Netflix. Oh, really? <laughs> Seems like every other show is, but this one, uh, The Politician, holy cow. It's They're all psychopaths. It, it takes place in a very wealthy part of California. And Ben Platt, um, it's coming up next week. Oh. Uh, or this weekend. I need to find yes, something else sh- to watch. Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow plays his mother, and she's totally vacant, totally frozen-faced, um, but tries to give him support. Ben Platt plays this high school guy who wants to be student body president, goes to incredible lengths, unethical lengths, to win. I'm not at the point where I know yet if he wins, but he does things that are questionable, like he looks for a disabled person to run with him for popularity. Um, And there's someone living with him who's another psychopath. It's just breathtaking. It's going to be a big hit. It's going to be controversial. So, you know, Netflix, The Politician. They start young. Um, What about The Day Shall Come? (laughs) <laughs> That's a funny one. It, it's a British filmmaker who is known to be really, really nutty. And he he lands in Miami, and uh, he's it's a film about a young black man who leads a radical group, and there's only about six of them. The FBI pretends to be a terrorist cell, and they come to him to help them blow up buildings and stuff to take down the cranes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so little does he know what he's in for. Um, and it, it's, again, it's really nutty. I don't know why all these nutty things are coming out, but it's it's pretty well, wild. It, it sounds like uh, all it sounds lots usual. of choice. Yes. Um, thanks so much, Anne. We're going to have to leave it there. But of course, all our listeners and viewers can find more movie and TV reviews up now on what she said talk.com. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at WhatSheSaidTalk.com. Joining us now is What She Said lifestyle expert, Lena Almeida. Welcome back to the show, Lena. Well, thank you as always for having me. So, um... What are we talking about? Food. We're talking about food, and I actually have a question for you, if that's okay. Okay. Do you have a special recipe from when you were younger that just feels lost to you somehow? So maybe you no longer have access to that recipe, or you simply can't duplicate the way it was made. Absolutely. Tell me about Childhood it. favorite. Um, my parents were diplomats, so yes. we were in Austria, and my mother had a recipe for apple strudel. <gasps> It was, you could, it was just to die for. Mm -hmm. And I would love to have that recreated somehow. Well, this is your lucky day because my mother-in-law is Austrian. And I may just have to ask her for for the apple strudel recipe. That would be great. And she makes a great one as well. Well, for me, it was my mom's carrot cake. So growing up, she only made two cakes. (laughs) So, of course, her carrot cake was amazing uh, just because she had perfected it. And I always connect memories of being at home, 
feeling warm, protected, having someone else do my laundry, you know, yeah. just the comforts of, of living at home and being in her kitchen and eating the carrot cake with her. But she never actually wrote the recipe down um, because she said it was tattooed on her brain. But now that she lives alone with my dad and she doesn't have a carrot cake audience, as it yes. were, she just hasn't made, made it, it yeah. in years. And now when I've asked her for the recipe, it was like, well, I'm, I'm not really sure of the amounts or, you know, it's, yeah. it's suddenly not as she's not as quick to kind of pull it out of that recipe repertoire. So in partnership with LG Canada, I was actually able to participate in a very special kitchen memory rescue with celebrity chef Anna Olson. And I also brought along my childhood best friend, Victoria, who also had memories of eating my mom's carrot cake. And essentially, we got together one day for a day of baking. And now you have to understand, Anna was my culinary hero growing up. I watched her on the Food Network. Many people's. Yes, absolutely. So I actually gave her an idea of what my mom used to bake, and she rescued the memory and the recipe by creating the ultimate carrot cake recipe just for us. And I have to tell you something. I had to mix ingredients and even frost the carrot cake in front of Anna Olson. Do you want to talk about Ooh, nerves being intimidated? Shot? I was a little bit intimidated, but I think she said I did a very well job, a very an amazing job. And why did we do this? My mom actually turned 75 a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to surprise her. So I was actually able to bake the carrot cake for my mom's 75th birthday. That's amazing. And yeah, and just even telling her that this recipe was one that (laughs) Chef Anna Olson had conceptualized blew her mind. So it was an amazing experience. Um, So definitely a successful kitchen memory rescue. And I have to tell you about the kitchen we worked in because it was outfitted with some of the most... Everybody's dream kitchen, right? Dream and beyond. The most innovative kitchen appliances from LG Canada. So first and foremost, the STAR, the LG Probate Convection Oven, it distributes precise heat on every rack level, delivering evenly baked goods every time. So for our two-layer cake, it meant that the contents of each eight-inch round pan were perfectly browned and evenly cooked with no dark spots or sides. And it's actually inspired by commercial oven technology because the probate the LG Probate Convection Oven features a fan at the back of the oven to evenly circulate oh. heat instead of on the bottom oh. like other ovens. So that is what results in the even bake. And then, of course, all of our ingredients were in the refrigerator, but the LG InstaView door and door fridge made grabbing those ingredients quick and easy as we could just double tap on the tinted glass panel to see what was inside. And the cold saver access door made sure we could grab and go without letting the mm-hmm. cold air out. And of course, with baking, the worst part for me is cleanup. <laughs> but it was simple and quick thanks to the LG Quad Wash dishwasher. It has four spray arms and it was able to clean our batter crusted bowls and baking utensils thoroughly. And actually, my favorite feature is its True Steam technology, which eliminates the need to pre wash. So, less time spent in the kitchen, more time making those memories with Absolutely. your family. So, you can actually visit my blog for all the details about the special kitchen memory rescue with LG and Chef Anna Olson. And for more information on LG Kitchen Appliances, you can visit lg.ca/slash appliances. Well, I think people will want to know where can they access your mother. 
grandmother's carrot cake recipe. Hey, Lena, where is that going to be? It is on my blog post. Oh. Yes, we are sharing is caring. So now you can all bake the ultimate carrot cake recipe again, uh, conceptualized by Chef Anna Olson. And the recipe is on that blog post as well. I think we should all send our memoried uh, recipes to Lena, and she should <laughs> compile them all and share them with everybody. You know what? I would love to. And first and foremost, I am going to get you that recipe for apple strudel from my mother-in-law. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I love talking food with you, Lena. Always. <laughs> Always. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So, let's get a... a Meridian 5-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. Think fancy fold-away screens are out of reach? Well, things just got interesting with Vista One retractable screens. Three models, smart technology, and innovative components like pleated mesh for extra strength. Transform any opening by adding a Vista One retractable screen and increase your living space, enjoy fresh air, keep insects out, and do it all in style. With a unique affordable line of screens exclusive to Vista One, you're sure to find the perfect design match. Book a free consultation or go online to VistaOneInc.com, like I did. What she said, she's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is Umang Dua. He's the founder of TriSight, which has been helping visually impaired people for more than 10 years. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. TriSight is based in Mississauga with a team of 10 led by you, and you have quietly built a company that has more than doubled in growth in the last few years. Tell us how this all started. Sure. Um, so I was doing my master's at Georgia Tech back in 2004, and um, my master's thesis was to help somebody with uh, ALS. People know about ALS these days mm -hmm. because of the ice bucket challenge. Right. Um, and it's a terrible disease because what happens is you slowly lose all movement. All motor control is gone, so you, you won't be able to move your hands, your legs, all mm -hmm. of that. And uh, because of that, eventually you can't even blink. So my project was, well, how do you help somebody who has no way to communicate? They can't move. How do they say, I want water? So uh, what I ended up doing was uh, I hooked up a lie detector to this person's uh, finger, and a lie detector works on sweat. So when you think of something exciting, you sweat more. That's how they catch criminals. Um, so by thinking of something exciting, he could sweat more, and he, we, we could pick that up in the computer. So using that as a switch, uh, we got the system working, and the first thing he did was he fired his nurse um, because obviously she wasn't doing a good job. So I, I, got, I got that working, and then I graduated. Um, after graduating, I worked in corporate for two or three years, realized it wasn't for me. Uh, and I said, you know what, I want to do something that really makes an impact. I really had a lot of fun because you see the impact you're having when you develop mm -hmm. a system like this. Uh, so I said, okay, my grandmother had low vision at that time. 
And uh, she really didn't have any way to get around the house. She was just feeling her way across the walls. Mm. And she would burn her fingers on the stove because it was a fire, a gas-fired stove. So I said, you know what? I, I can do something to solve this just the way I had done something to solve yeah. the ALS situation. So I started this business uh, to go ahead and help people who have that problem. So what are some of the challenges that people with low vision face when it comes to education, employment, even mental health? So uh, I think uh, it's important to understand what low vision is. People think that low vision might be that the guy can see nothing. That's not true. Uh, low vision is defined as 2070 vision after glasses. So, uh, and there's another term called legal blindness, which is 2200 vision after wearing glasses, which basically means that you really can't see very much uh, beyond a certain distance. Uh, and the condition can be severe enough that maybe you can't see um, even something one foot ahead of you. So um, that's basically uh, how low vision is defined. And the, the, the challenge is that this, uh, this affects about 3% of the Canadian population. Now, you may say 3% is not a lot, but that's a million people. Uh, so it's a lot of people, and that number is growing. Um, the, you know, the disease doesn't discriminate. It goes after rich, it goes after poor, so it can affect anybody. Um, it does affect people who are older disproportionately, and the impact is that there's a severe loss of independence. Uh, if I told you that you cannot use your cell phone, you cannot use your laptop, you cannot watch TV, you're not allowed to read anything, and by the way, the world 10 feet ahead of you is invisible from now on till you die. That's low vision. Not and, good. And that certainly cuts into independence. Exactly. So what ends up happening is people end up in assisted living facilities because they can't function. Um, it, it has a severe impact. Uh, so that's what we're fighting with low vision. Uh, but it's also important to realize that the people who reach out for help when they're diagnosed mm -hmm. with low vision, because the doctor might not tell you this, they might mm -hmm. say, I can't do anything for you. Uh, but if they reach out, we found that the people who reach out for help in the first year they often go ahead and find the tools to help them and recover, whereas the people who don't, they'll spiral into depression. Well, your products are certainly helping people with low vision live more independent lives. So tell us about some of them and what they do. Sure. So we take a task-based approach. Uh, it's important to realize that you don't see with your eyes. Uh, that's interesting. You don't see with your eyes. You see with your mind. Uh, the eyes are sending a ton of information to your brain, and most of that information is just ignored. It, it's useless information. Like, let's say you're trying to pay your credit card bill. It comes in the mail. You're not sitting there admiring the beauty of the texture of the paper. You're trying to, what's my bill? What do I have to pay? And how do I pay it? That's it. So we take a task-based approach. What it is that you're trying to do? Uh, and how much vision do you have left? So we maximize the use of the vision that you do have remaining uh, and try to enhance it using different tools. So for example, let's say you're a senior and you want to clip your nails. Well, you can't really see the details, so it's hard to clip your nails. Um, so we have a magnification system called the Mercury 22. Uh, you can point the camera down, and on a big monitor, you can see your nails really enlarged. So that helps you. You can shave. Uh, you can put on makeup. So that's one example. Um, there's another pair of glasses that are digital glasses called Mercury Vision. And those glasses allow you to bring something that's far away really up close. So we had one father who wanted to see his daughter walk down the aisle. And uh, by wearing the glasses, Aww. he could see her get married, see you know her husband and all of that. So it was really sweet. Um, and a couple of other examples, uh, we have some students uh, in the classroom, they want to function like their peers. So uh, we've got a system that basically allows them to bring the board up to a big tablet 
and then they can see what the teacher is writing on the board. So there's all kinds of tools. Wow. Um, now, the federal government uh, recently awarded TriSite with a $1 million grant through the Accessible Technology Program yes. to develop the first-ever technology that will help enhance the vi vision abilities of low-vision individuals by using real-time AL recognition. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's AI. AI. Uh, AI. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, so uh, I think the government's goal here is um, that they want to bring people back into the workforce. Uh, and people who are just sitting at home getting depressed, it's one, that's not a good thing. The no. other is it's also bad for the economy. They're not working. They're not paying taxes. None of that's happening. So through this grant, we're developing the next generation of technologies and bringing the price down that helps people with low vision function just like everybody else. Um, artificial intelligence is a big part of that because if you think about, well, what's the problem? Uh, the problem is that your eyes are no longer sending the information to your brain that's needed. Mm -hmm. So in order to solve that problem, well, let's say we use the camera. Camera has perfect vision. Uh, but then there's so much information coming from a camera. Well, how do I tell you? that I'm not going to sit there telling you this is green, this is blue, this is black, like for a million dots. So uh, what we end up doing is we use artificial intelligence to understand what it is that you're seeing. So I'm in this room. I can see there's two people in this room. There's a door on my left. The AI could figure this out and tell you this is the situation. Now you can do what you need to do. So that's the next generation of technologies. But when you take, I mean, that's just people in a room and a door. Yes. But for somebody to go to work, yes. and let's say they have files and computer yes. stuff to go through, yes. you're working on all that? So there's a lot of tools already that people can use uh, for that kind of thing. Uh, we had a lawyer who wanted to work, uh, and he was about 80. Uh, he said, look, I have a lot of documents to read. I can't see everything. So we got him a large uh, screen magnification system. It's called a video magnifier. Um, by putting a document under a camera, he would see it really big on a computer screen, and he could change the colors, so it would be easy, easy for him. But then he said, look, I can't read all that. There's so much to read. Can this read to me? And we said, sure, I can. You press yeah. a button, and it'll read out everything to you so he could function more. That's amazing. So a lot of people don't know about you. I've not heard. Now, I don't have low vision, but yeah. I've not heard about you. Yes. So if they go to a doctor and the doctor yes. says, I'm sorry, but this is what you have, yes. um, why aren't doctors recommending you? Or are they? Um, so there's a general lack of awareness. Um, I, I think the doctors, often what I hear from the, from the people that mm, finally reach yeah. us is they say, oh, we went to the doctor. Why didn't my doctor tell me about this? Because I, th I think the doctor takes more of a, um, a medical approach to it. Where like, exactly. I can't solve this through biology. I'm sorry. Right. Um, but then they don't say, well, by, well, yes, you cannot admire the sunset. So how do people contact you? Um, so they can go to our website. It's trisite.com. Trisite, T-R-I. T-R-Y-S-I-G-H-T.com. Uh, okay. And uh, there's a bunch of information there. But the best thing is if you could call us and, um, you know, tell us what it is that your condition is and what are you trying to do. We've been doing this for over 10 years, so we'll be able to tell you exactly how to solve your problem. So is there anybody that's not eligible to be helped by you? No, anybody with low vision. Children? We can help almost, people, almost anybody. Have yeah. you ever had something you couldn't handle? We can't get you to drive because that would be illegal. If you yes, crash, no. then that's not good. But you can call an Uber. And and do you yeah. just sort of do it tailor-made for each person? Um, so it's... Not it's quite. not no. There's 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 like ten different tools, and each tool attacks a specific problem. So one of those will solve your problem. 
Okay, so let us tell people again one more time where to contact you. It's Trisite, that's T-R-Y-S-I-G-H-T dot com. Call you, tell you what the issue is, yes. and you will... Suggest what to do. And yeah. do you have offices? Yeah, uh, so we're in Mississauga. If somebody wants to come visit us, they're happy to uh, come and see us. That's great. Uh, Umeng Dua, thank you so much for joining us today. I think there are a whole lot of people who are going to really benefit from giving you a call. Thanks thank for you. having me. Thanks for coming. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Think fancy fold-away screens are out of reach? Well, things just got interesting with Vista One retractable screens. Three models, smart technology, and innovative components like pleated mesh for extra strength. Transform any opening by adding a Vista One retractable screen and increase your living space, enjoy fresh air, keep insects out, and do it all in style. With a unique affordable line of screens exclusive to Vista One, you're sure to find the perfect design match. Book a free consultation or go online to vistaoneinc.com, like I did. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. now in studio is Julian Taylor from the Julian Taylor Band and they have a brand new album coming out next week. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you for having me, Christine. I'm so happy to be here. Julian, you and your bandmate, Jeremy Elliott, have been playing together for almost 25 years. You met in high school, recorded 11 albums together, and originally your mission was to reconceptualize what soul music is. So tell us about that. To be honest, it wasn't actually what we originally set out to do. We really just wanted to meet girls. <laughs> we were in high school, and I was like 4'11", and he had long, long hair and wore his grandfather's blazers, and we thought that if there was any way that girls would talk to us, that we would, we should be in a band. So that was the original thing when we were, you know, 15 years old. But it changed, and yes, it, it became something a little bit more, um, you know, creative, like trying to reconceptualize soul music, which is something that I think every artist actually does without even trying to do it, if they're really an artist that believes in what they're doing. Because I think that soul music comes from your heart. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be country music. It doesn't have to be heavy metal music. It doesn't have to be folk or blues or, you know, pop music. If it's coming from a real honest place and it touches somebody else's soul, then I believe it's soul music. 
Julian Taylor, thank you so much for joining us in studio today. That is it for what she said this weekend. We will be back again next Saturday at noon right here on 105.9 The Region. Singing us out now in our live studio sessions, here is Julian Taylor performing Sweeter. Traveling all through the night down the Trans-Canada Highway It has road signs set to five days in May Traveling from one town to the next They can follow the leader How I love Couldn't get any sweeter Stop to hear Chief Dan George speak at the Mission Powwow. All of those lessons we learned, waiting for sundown. An eagle up in the sky made me a believer. How I love. Couldn't get any sweeter Broken down cars Little divers Radios playing 50 for 40 My high soars Through wild rose country While Venice was sinking Those Ontario boys They just kept on drinking Faces like silhouettes Captured in rapture Well, are we there yet? Induces more laughter Trucking through Rogers Pass Moonbeams reflect on red cedars How I love Couldn't get any sweeter and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know? And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. 
4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.